Hello and welcome to your replay for Monday, February 28th, 2022. Replay is your weekly dose of all of your gaming news, hosted by us, the Goodnight Grooves, a place for games and a place for goofs. You know, we're workshopping the slogan, but it's the end of February and right now it sounds pretty darn good. I am Paul and I'm joined as always by Matt. How are you doing today, my friend? We are we are live on Twitch and of course for podcast people out there, you can listen to this. We're probably listening to this recording right now and it's a lot of fun and uh, we're having a great day. How has your weekend been? It's been a good weekend. It's very similar to last weekend where it went fairly nice and slow. A lot of time spent playing games, the same games, really Horizon and Guild Wars 2, just really grinding away in both of those games, having a good time. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here live on Twitch. We had some really nice movie discussions uh, prior to uh, starting the, the episode here. And if you want to check out the live show for that extra sort of content that's not in the podcast, we are live on Twitch for this show at 6 p.m. Eastern on Sundays. So check that out. It's a good time. It totally is, Matt. You know, I, it was so fun talking about movies and, and doing that live on Twitch. I feel like that would be a fun thing to like. I mean, maybe we should make a regular thing in that. Just chat about movies with people on on, on stream. If anyone wants us to chat about movies, uh, you know, you can send us an email. At, or just uh, anything. Let's talk GG about anything. at gmail.com. If anyone wants us to talk about anything, if anyone actively comes to us and goes like, please talk about a specific thing, uh, we'll probably do it because we, <laughs> we just, we just want to talk. That's, that's what we're here for. But Matt, this specific podcast replay is about the latest gaming news from the previous week. This is kind of yeah. the last word in gaming news. And mm. so we're going to get right into the show now. But I will say before we get into the true gaming news, let's get into true or poo, Ooh. which of course is a segment where I give you two true statements and one false statement, two of them being true, of course, one of them being poo poo, not good. So I'm going to give you, I said, kind of like a, a gold bloom there. One of them being poo-poo. Uh, and well, let's, let's be honest here. Yeah. We can't just blanket say poo-poo, not good. Everyone poops, Paul. Everyone poops. It, it, I have to do it. Yeah. Um, like my cat last night expressed his anal glands uh, on a blanket on the couch. Oh, no. And I will say, honestly, that poo was poo That was bad. bad. Yeah, not good. That was bad. Uh, not ideal. So that's when we're talking about the poo in this game, I want it to be clear that that is the kind I'm talking about. Sorry to anyone who, for some reason, is eating a five star meal while listening to this podcast or scarfing back macaroni and cheese. Matt, the first statement, of course, is the first one. And this is it. <laughs> Bowser, Bowser from, uh, of course, Mario fame was initially intended to be a bear, but they mm. changed it later to a turtle okay donkey kong was also initially mario's pet ape that had actually kidnapped his girlfriend all mario's ape gone oh all no. gone mario also last mario statement here was initially a carpenter a carpenter and they changed it later matt which of these statements are true and which of the, which one is poo Okay, so I'm pretty sure the carpenter thing is true. I, I feel like I've heard that before. I really think the whole Donkey Kong one is the poo because I think you just wanted to work in a way to say all my apes gone. <laughs> so I'm going with C or sorry, rather B 
is Pooh. It's the Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong was never Mario's pet ape. I, I, I don't believe that. All right. So you were totally right about the Mario was initially a carpenter thing. Uh, he was initially a carpenter. And then in the next game, uh, like in his own game, uh, they designed the levels underground. And so they thought it would make more sense to make him a plumber. And then that stuck. I actually think it would have been cool to have like an alternate history where Mario took on like different professions in the trades. Oh, yeah. Like every game or something. I think that would have been kind of funny. Uh, and also, you know, maybe could have been a backdoor uh, advertisement for different uh, different trades different different trades, trades yeah jobs for people that's to fantastic so, yeah it's not bad i think they a should good message honestly i think it's kind of weird that like I, I have never seen a company like try to advertise like getting into plumbing and like showing mario or something that would be cool oh, if like yeah. trios college or something or whatever like devry <laughs> do they still have devry did that <laughs> that would be great uh also i have to say matt bowser was initially intended to be something else but it was not a bear it was oh, an ox. God, well, Bowser oh. was initially intended to be an ox. That's why he has horns uh, and kind of like that big snout. Uh, it was He was intended to be an ox, but he was instead a turtle. And DK was initially Mario's pet ape. That was the story of it. It was his pet ape had escaped and kidnapped his girlfriend, Rosalina. And Mario woke up to find that all his apes and his girlfriend were gone. Ape escape. Ape Escape too. So I mean, there's a lot. Well, not two, but just <laughs> T O O. Uh, so yeah, that was a that was a pretty good one. Honestly, I thought that the ape joke might throw you off because it yeah, I just it it's did. so tempting for me to do it. Uh, but yeah, that was a good one. So there we go. That was true or poo. Uh, let us know in the comments, uh, <laughs> or let us know in uh, you know if you want to send us an email, or let us know on the <laughs> the comments here uh, on live. Uh, if you got that right, uh, I'm seeing people saying that is it extremely messed up that, <laughs> that uh, the ape kidnapped his girlfriend? Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. There's a lot to unpack there uh, for Shakiro Miyamoto. We will put him on trial later. But before <laughs> that happens, let's get into the show today. And the first thing we're going to talk about are the reviews because Matt, the reviews are in. They are in. They are. We've got them. Uh, I wish I had like a kind of like a, an, an envelope and I could do like the amazing Karnak or something. And like do, do a little thing here to, uh, you know, open open something or maybe be like, oh, the winner of the best reviewed game was La La Land. They'd be like, oh, actually, it was Elden Ring. <laughs> Whoops. There's a joke from 2015. You all like those uh, first game on the list. Martha is dead. It's true. It's got a 71 on open critic and is out right now. Uh, this is interesting. I think it's important to note, as you as you mentioned here, Matt, uh, in the in the in the notes, which I think is important. The PlayStation version of the game was censored uh, at Sony's request. Some QuickTime events were changed to cutscenes, and certain sexual references were removed, which is kind of interesting. The PS4 and PS5 versions also come with extra content warnings and the option to skip entire scenes. I think specifically, we're probably talking about the face cutting scene. Is that the is that the thing that they're really? Yeah. I, that seems to be. <laughs> thing yeah the face cutting scene yeah it's it's pretty graphic uh that's that's important I, the first time i saw reviews of this game i thought this might be something i'd be interested in uh like it looks like an interesting horror walking sim uh, but watching a few reviews for this game really made me realize not great not always horror pretty janky weird weird uh you know performance not something i think we should be looking out for 71 seems like a pretty fair review on that it actually even feels to me like the review score might actually be a little inflated for people trying to counteract the fact that they felt like it would be scored lower because of the controversy around it here's here's my deal 
So the game is rated M. It's not A. The ESRB rated this game M. So it's weird to me that Sony feels like they needed to decide to take extra steps on their own. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't feel very good about it. But regardless, the game doesn't look great anyway. It looks just, it's like a janky horror walking sim. And I like walking sims. I don't necessarily love a horror walking sim, although I will play that sort of thing. The Layers of Fear sort of actually is kind of like that. There's more, it's more than walking sim, but it's in that in the same vein but i definitely don't want to play a janky one <laughs> so i will be passing on this yeah i i think i will too uh, as much as i'm interested in playing you know something that has like that dark pictures anthology kind of vibe maybe right. uh, this is this is not going to be it so stinker next let's move on grid legends got a 76 on open critic out right now and this is another grid another grid game Yep. Got a 76. It's a fine grid game. If that is something you want to play, if you like racing and you want it to be somewhat realistic, but also not very and not look as good as Forza Horizon or regular Forza Motorsport or it's just there. If you want that, it exists. Is that fair? Yeah. Some weird FMV in this game, like the old Command and Conquer style. And I don't know, just even among grid games, it doesn't look great. Not that I'm a an expert in grid games, but a 76 for a racing game. I mean, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of racing games that come out every year, and so I don't know. 76, not great. I mean, they're just so there are better racing games. Yeah, there are better racing games. Games that you can play for ostensibly free on Game Pass. Forza Horizon 5 definitely out there. So you know, there's a lot. It's kind of like we say with JRPGs, right? Where there's so there's a lot of good ones out there that are pretty accessible. Uh, so if there's a bad one it's just easy to skip it and speaking of that atelier sophie 2 the alchemist and the mysterious dream got an 83 on open critic it is out right now matt uh do you want to say what this is on our list yeah this is just kind of our mandatory low 80s jrpg of the week this (laughs) is i mean we talk about it all the time jrpgs are a dime a dozen they come out so often and they pretty much always have the same score you have some standouts that score really high you have some standouts that score really low, but oftentimes they're low to mid eighties and they just kind of are what they are. And if you like it, then you like it. If you don't, then you don't. Yeah. I don't know. This has like that weird, like lolly vibe or something. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it kind of, it does not do it for me. I'm sure I heard people in the review, like on the, the couple of reviews I watched of it, talking about like it's an atel, it's a typical atelier game, and it's like another version of the Sophie game, and they've improved. And I'm like, I don't know what an atelier game is. I don't know. I never heard of Atelier Sophie one. I am not the target demographic for this, no. and neither is Replay. So we're gonna move right on and talk about. We're gonna go ahead and talk about the new game, the new hotness, and that is far changing. Time. No, I'm kidding. We're talking about Elden Ring. Got a 96 on Open Critic. It is out right now. So what are you doing listening to this podcast? Unless you're listening while you're playing Elden Ring. I get that. That makes sense. Uh, this looks awesome. I mean, what, what are we going to say? I mean, it's got a 96. I think the impressive thing is the review score is so high. Uh, you know, I don't know if everyone was expecting it to be this high. I kind of was. I think on Gristradamus, I said either a 97 or a 98, I think, for Elden Ring. And uh, I'm a little sad to see it drop. A teeny bit, but I mean, it's over a hundred reviews and hitting it at 96. So that's pretty cool. Now, obviously there are issues with like PC 
performance and things like that other stuttering things and things like that so i mean it's it's not a perfect thing that that that's that's a from software thing apparently uh it does happen sometimes for pc ports but overall i think the game is a triumph in terms of being fun and 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 taking dark souls to the next level uh, and it's something that i've i've never played a dark souls game or any real souls like game but i'm psyched to play elden ring yeah it looks fantastic listen i really want to play this game but in my heart of hearts, I just know it's not going to happen. And if I do, like, like maybe maybe there's a deep sale for this on PS5 someday, and, and maybe I buy it. But I feel like even then, I'm going to get in there. I'm just going to get frustrated. And look, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm just not a hardcore, uh, di- super difficult game kind of guy. I like, I like it to be my relaxing time to just, you know, enjoy the game and, and often a game story or a power fantasy in Elden Ring is the opposite of that. I'm not saying the opposite of story because there's story in there, but it's not story that's fed to you directly, that's for sure. And then it's not a power fantasy because <laughs> the, the fantasy is going against you in that regard. So look, I'm super happy about that this game exists and that it's now a game of the year front runner for the people that are, that are gonna love it. But I And I wish I could love it because the open world aspect of it looks really good. And Mike was streaming it earlier today and some really smart mechanics that I saw when he was streaming. Uh, like, for example, there was one time where he killed, he just like one shot this little crab on a beach. And then all of a sudden this giant ass crab comes. A giant, out, out giant of, enemy crab? Yeah, a giant ass crab uh, <laughs> comes out of the sand and just attacks him. And I thought that's super smart, a uh, really good way to do that kind of thing. But I just, I, I would get frustrated playing this game. I know I would. I think I'm getting to the point now where, again, we talked about this before on on Game Groove's podcast where we discussed our preferred video game difficulty. And I said, if a game is meant to be difficult in the sense that it only has one difficulty, I've found that I can rise to that challenge a bit more than I could in previous time. But that being said, if a game is like scalable difficulty, I usually end up playing on a lower one. Right. But yeah, I, I think I could probably get into this and I think I will. Like you said, I think I'll probably wait for a big sale at some point. Like maybe I'm probably going to play on Well, I'm, I would almost say I'm definitely going to play on PC. And in that I'm not going to like go in and say that it like inherently runs bad. I don't think that's the case, but I might just wait a little bit, uh, let them do some patches and wait for a sale. And then, you know, maybe around the summer, if it goes on sale for even like 15, 20% off, I'll, I'll jump on and, and grab it and probably have a super good time. But yeah, like, like always my backlog is, is so huge that I don't think I'll be something I'm going to get to right now. Uh, yeah, Matt, that's right. I said it. <laughs> I like big backlogs and I cannot lie. <laughs> oh God, I don't like the implication of what a backlog would be in that scenario. Uh, but I'm thinking about my, my poor cat again. We already did chewer poop, so we can. Yeah, we did. We did. All right. Moving on to the final game to talk about today. And that is far changing tides. It got an 82 on open critic and it is going to be out on Tuesday. This looks so interesting to me. I've never seen far games before. I saw people talking about loan sales and some other ones. I haven't really seen uh, these things before, but I, I, I gotta say, that, that uh, sorry, Josh, Josh is replying to my cat, mo- my cat thing. Um, but yeah, I, I got to say this looks really unique and interesting. I, I really like the, the energy of the game, the sound design, uh, the way that you move. I, I understand it's like a kind of a contained experience. It's not something you spend a super long time on, but it looks like the, the chill kind of thing and experience of a game that I think I could get into. And, and you know, it's right up my alley, I think. Yeah, the the previous game, Lone Sales, was always intriguing to me. Uh, it's a game very similar to Inside and Limbo, only sort of less creepy, but it plays very similarly in that 
as we described it on a recent episode of either this or, or game groups, almost like a 2D walking sim. But there's there are puzzle elements, there's adventure elements to it. So it's that, but in that sort of vein. And uh, no, it looks great. Looks like more of the same that Lone Sales was, only probably even better. And so, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to play this, but it is my kind of game. I, I can see both of us playing this at some point down the line. Probably maybe when it comes on Game Pass or something like that, we might. Or Epic, free Epic game or something. That might be something oh, we yeah. end up playing. It really has that kind of vibe to it. All right, let's get into the top stories of the day because there are a bunch of crazy things that happened this week. And the first is something that happened just today. And that is that we had a Pokemon Direct from Nintendo. And we have announced that there is going to be two new mainline Pokemon games coming out this year, which is absolutely wild. Yes, you're hearing that right. Pokemon Arceus just came out, and here we have Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, which have been announced. The announcement trailer for the ninth generation of mainline Pokemon games showed various new landscapes and the three new starters. This will be the third major release for Pokemon over a 12-month period, following Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl and Pokemon Legends Arceus. This is crazy. And and I have to say right off the bat, can we just talk about these starters? Let's let's just have it out, Matt, because yeah. these are interesting. First off, we have uh Sprigatito. Sprigatito. Yeah. And I, I will say it, it does feel and we can talk about this more. It feels like this is going to be Spain. That seems to be the prevailing idea that this place right. is going to be uh, Spain or based around Spain. Um so we have Sprigatito this is going around the internet right now as Weed Cat, I think, right? That's what people are calling <laughs> yeah, it on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting a lot of flack for being uh, kind of just a, a generic design of like cute cat who has like an element, like uh, kind of like what was the the fire one again? It was um, uh, Litten. Oh, think, yeah, right? Litten. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so the description for Sprigatito is the capricious, attention seeking grass cat Pokemon. Uh, let's say one to 10, Matt. Um, what do you rate Sprigatito so far from what you know? One to 10, like in terms of other starters? Ten, Yeah, I'd say 10 being like the best starter you've ever seen. One being a terrible starter, let's say. Well, like a seven. I, I think yeah. it's really good. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I hate to say it, but it's actually like I hate to say it because it is kind of generic, but it's just like a cute, nice design and yeah. it seems a little more cohesive. Like I, I feel like the other ones look more unique than ones I've seen before. But that being said, it also feels like they're unique in the sense that they've like run out of things to put together. And so they're like, <laughs> right. here's a duck with an Elvis haircut. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Like that is something unique. We haven't seen it probably because it's weird design. Uh, then also we have uh Fuecoco, I would say you'd say that. Yeah. And uh, this is some kind of like alligator. Uh, it looks like a Digimon, quite frankly, more than kind any of, of the other ones of this look. And it's like got a little mask. It's very cute. Uh, the description here, the laid back fire croc Pokemon that does things at its own pace. So I feel like it's pretty stubborn. Matt, one to ten. What do you feel about Fuecoco? Like a two and a half or three. But Whoa. I will say the possibility of moving up based on later evolutions but as a just like starter not not great it's 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 weird i don't know it's very it's different it's very different but i don't know if that's a good thing in this case it makes me a little uncomfortable but at the same time it is cute and unique in a way that i kind of like like i said it reminds me of a digimon so for that i'm going to give it a solid 5 and Ooh. it can go either way i think depending on the evolutions but i think it's 5 it's it's good I, it's fine i would probably go a second playthrough playing 
play Coco. But unfortunately, I don't know if I'll ever play Quaxley, which is the third uh, the third starter. I love water starters. We've said this before. It's my absolute favorite starter. I always pick water starter, except sometimes I'll go grass. Very rarely fire. Uh, this is a, a little duck with a blue, I, I want to say Elvis haircut, a pompadour of, of sorts. <laughs> a pompa duck, which would have been a good Ooh. name for this, by the way. Yeah. Uh, maybe that'll be the evolved form. Uh, and this is the Earnest and Tidy Duckling Pokemon. This is not just a duck Pokemon. This is a duckling Pokemon. Yeah. It's very cute. Uh, but also deeply unsettling to me. Matt, I'm going to say right off the top that Quaxley, for me, is a two. I'm I'm very uncomfortable. I don't want to say a one because <laughs> I don't hate the base design of the bottom of Quaxley. And I, I got to give it like a little point for the water you know aspect but oh my god something about that hair just makes me very unhappy and you know it's like the little it's like a shine or like an eyebrow thing this is probably very uninteresting for audio listeners but if you've seen quaxley there's something to the design of the hair and it looks very strange and it throws me right off matt how would you rate quaxley um i'm assuming higher than mine yeah quaxley's like a nine or nine five whoa i I really like this book wow here's the thing it's a duck and water type it actually makes sense i love duck i will say by the way ducks in general i want that to be a ducks are great uh and it makes sense like oftentimes i feel like lately we've gotten it's been a while since we've gotten pokemon that makes sense like as the animal mixed with the element like fire crocodile that doesn't make any sense kind of yeah so (laughs) i love the name uh, of the Pokemon Quaxley, it's fantastic. I love his design. I really like this Pokemon, and I will. I very rarely, very rarely pick the Water Starter. I'm pretty much always uh, the Grass Starter. Sometimes the Fire Starter. Almost never Water. But this time, I will be picking the Water Starter. Wow, this is, I saw someone say on Reddit, and I think this is important to, to note. That's the fun thing about Pokemon that this is. I've seen multiple people say. Uh, I saw people making fun of Sprigatito and saying like, oh, weed cat, leaf cat, whatever. But then I saw a lot of people saying, like myself, that's probably my favorite one. And I don't like the other ones. And so it's interesting, like no matter there's no default best Pokemon. And I think that like, you know, it's just based on what you like and what you think is cute and design and stuff like you like Quaxley. I think Quaxley is a crime against nature. So (laughs) I also think that I could grow to love Quaxley. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's uh, talk more about this game beyond just yeah. these starters because there is a whole game. And Matt, you know, just uh, you have some opinions, you have some thoughts. So why don't you share them with us? I actually thought it was a really good trailer, really well done trailer. To me, it looks like the wild areas of Sword and Shield, only it's everywhere in the game. It's not just the designated wild area, but that sort of 3D camera gameplay is everywhere that's that's what it looks like obviously we don't know for sure to me it looks more that way though than the open world of pokemon legends arceus and i'm totally cool with that if that's the case i think that works really well for the mainline style of pokemon games i think it's really interesting that we're getting a third pokemon game a third major game in 12 months though we know that brilliant diamond and shining pearl were outsourced and then pokemon legends arceus was in house although I guess this confirms that you had one team working on Arceus and another team working on Gen 9. So that's interesting. I don't. I wonder if this is sort of the release schedule they're looking for going forward, because if so, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of Pokemon. I don't know if, if they can really keep that going or if it just so happened that the stars aligned in 2022, uh, 2021 going into 2022 was going to be crazy for them. 
But the environments in this game look really pretty. Everything looks great. It does look a, a little bit all over the place. The theming seems like it might be less focused than in other Pokemon games. Uh, I could be wrong on that. We don't really know where the inspiration came from yet. Although, like you said, a lot of people are saying Spain by the names of the Pokemon. It would appear that that is the case. Some, some other people are saying Italy. So I guess Spain is probably where it's going to be going uh, with, with that theming. Although everything that you're seeing in the game and the environment and stuff, it doesn't all like scream Spain to me. So I, I don't know, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think it's more like just the, yeah, some of the environment, like some of the architecture, but also the environments, I think, and like the biomes and stuff are very much Spain and the surrounding areas, I guess. And so some people are saying that I, I, people who know Spain better than I do, I don't, I don't really know. But uh, yeah, yeah, Kat says in the chat, could be Portugal. I agree. It could be Portugal. I've heard that too. Maybe some people are saying maybe Spain and Portugal put together. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on there. So Overall, uh, I think it looks cool. Uh, I, I think it's important to note, like, we don't know how we're going to see this. I, I'm assuming it's going to be seen through the eyes of, like, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, like that overhead uh, classic Pokemon look. Like, we didn't see any gameplay from that. Well, that's but... what I'm saying is it feels like it's going to be, like, the Wild and Sword and Shield, which is that free-roaming, uh, moving camera style. So I do think that that's what it appears to be. I'm wondering if this is like a trailer to show off how pretty the environments look, but then it's possible that would be weird to design them in that way with the camera showing them that way. You're probably right. Or maybe we're seeing like a portion of it, like the wild, like you're saying, and maybe there, but maybe there'll still be top down areas. I don't know. I would be really excited to see an entire game built with that free roam camera. It doesn't have to be legends Arceus, but it it could be a little closer, a little more along those lines. I, I would appreciate that. You know, I don't know. I I would love to play more Pokemon, and I'd, I'd love to play a good mainline Pokemon game again. Uh, not that there are any of them are necessarily bad, but just something that like takes it forward a little bit. This seems like it could be maybe taking some of the good stuff that happened from Legends Arceus and putting it into a mainline Pokemon game, but very little, very very minor. But yeah, I'm excited. I think that uh, you know it's not gonna be something I pick up right now because I don't have a Switch. But I am starting. It's I'm getting the Switch itch, and I've been saying this oh. for like a year. But we're starting. See yeah. a doctor about that. Yeah, the do- the doctor is perplexed. Uh, <laughs> luckily, actually, buying a three hundred dollar Switch is a lot cheaper than most healthcare usually if you're in the United States or many other places. So it's nice. It's uh, it's actually a pretty cheap remedy, which is good. Um, but yeah, but I've been getting the Switch itch. I've been feeling a lot lately. Like there's just so many good Nintendo games coming out and it's not about having a handheld it's about getting to play those games and I'm starting to feel like late in the I'm starting to feel like late in the generation here that we're getting and it's like kind of with me with my PS4 that I got at the end of the generation I feel like it's starting to get to the point where I have to get it and play all these games so we'll see I'm very excited for I've been getting very excited for Pokemon so maybe this will be the one wow. that brings me in like Legends Arceus almost did but I feel like it's just like there's not like it's very open. Make your own fun, and I'd like to do like yeah. a classic, classic Pokemon, you know, storyline. So, but not like the Legends Arceus storyline, which sounds absolutely bonkers. But yeah, it looks cool. I'm I'm excited for it, and I'm excited to see how it turns out with them making three Pokemon games in 12 months. I mean, not making them, but releasing them. It's pretty wild. Speaking of things uh, releasing very close together, let's talk about something that has been, is going to be released farther apart than we've had in recent history. And that is that for the first time in almost two decades, Activision will skip an annual release for Call of Duty. Treyarch's next Call of Duty title, originally set for 2023, will be pushed to 2024. Jason Schreier first reported on this news and said that the decision was made independent of Microsoft. 
quote, Call of Duty Vanguard underperformed and Activision executives have been concerned about the games cannibalizing one another. Super, super uh, good point. Yeah, I mean, I'll just jump in really fast and say, I think that makes total sense. I think that, you know, Modern Warfare was a beloved game. Cold War came out and a lot of people, I think, weren't like unhappy with Cold War. But I think a lot of people were like, I'd be down to just keep playing more Modern Warfare. I'm having a really good time with this game. Uh, And I think that that gets into that issue where you have different developers making different Call of Duty games. And so you're like a lot of people are like waiting for, you know, the next um, who's who's the main one. I'm trying to like I'm blanking for a second. Infinity Ward. Infinity Ward. Right. And so a lot of people are like, when's the next Infinity Ward one? Right. That's like the big that's the big hype. And, you know, and then people are like, well, Treyarch's good too. And then you hear things about, you know, Sledgehammer, which I think I'm thinking is going to get taken off and be doing Call of Duty. I think they might just maybe swap a couple studios or something, but I don't, I'm not an expert, but I, I do think that, yeah, we're seeing, I think with like Warzone and stuff, they're starting to see that they can make things maybe last a bit longer. They can maybe make a call of duty game last two years, like with, with the ability to do live service stuff. And yeah, yeah, I I don't think they need to be coming out with one every year. And I think people are not getting fatigue for call of duty content, but fatigue for having a new call of duty come out. That's developed by a totally different studio that produces a totally different experience than the last one. (laughs) Like I think people are kind of like, Oh, like just like, it's fine if you want to make call of duty every year, but like make it the same. make it feel the same um matt what's your take on this i mean i'd say mostly positive right i mean oh yeah it's hard hard to feel negative yeah this is positive and i think having warzone and having microtransactions and a battle pass helps them make this decision too because it's not like we need to hit this certain number every year and we need to come out with a new call of duty every year to do that with warzone they don't need that because they probably i'm sure they're making bank with warzone and that probably more than covers a middling Call of Duty game. I do think it's funny that they that they talk about Vanguard underperforming when it was the best-selling game of the year in a year in which it came out in November. So it's just funny. Of course, they have d- different standards. I, I was going to say, I wonder if those standards might also be, you know, when they when they sell and make the most money out of like any game out there, I wonder if when they're saying underperforming, they mean like critic scores or, or game or like how the gamers responded to it. I mean, like obviously it sold well, but maybe they don't want to like alienate. I, I'm not, I'm just saying it's probably about the almighty dollar, but I mean, I'm sure they maybe don't want to alienate their main fan base. Maybe if they're that successful, that's a different metric for underperform. Could be. And, and the fact is when you have, games come out annually if you have annual releases and they start to their their critic scores start to go down audience reception starts to go down at some point that quickly creates fatigue and so yeah that 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 makes a lot of sense i think this is a fantastic move really smart and i i'm i'm excited for modern warfare this year and i will be totally fine to wait two years i i we've talked about it a bunch but the the last modern warfare is what got me back into call of duty so now I'm really excited for Modern Warfare 2, but I want to be able to play multiplayer on that game for two years and enjoy Warzone 2 whenever that comes out later this year or early next year. Enjoy that for a few years before we, I have to be get this FOMO feeling where I feel like I have to buy the new Call of Duty. So this is great. This is really good news. I think the funny thing is that EA is probably wishing they just pushed Battlefield 2042 back like a year and a half so it could come out in a non-Call of Duty year and have the extra development time that it needed. So they're probably kicking themselves on that, but what you gonna do? 
I, I think maybe this will be a good signal to, you know, uh, to EA that maybe they can take a little bit of time on Battlefield. It doesn't mean it has to be over. I mean, they've been looking back at how they can change things. We've seen that from like leaked town halls and stuff within the company uh, with DICE and EA. So, you know, it's very likely. I know this isn't about uh, EA and, and Battlefield right now, but I will say, uh, yeah, I think this goes to show that even though obviously Call of Duty is massively successful in a way that like Battlefield is not at all. Uh, pardon me. Uh, I <laughs> I feel like I'm 12 years old arguing this point again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, even though uh, yeah, it's massively successful in a way that Battlefield isn't, I, I or sorry, Call of Duty isn't. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say. The point is, <laughs> the point is, Matt, that uh, it'll it'll kind of signal. I think that you can take a little bit of time, and yeah. maybe they'll do the same thing, and then probably come out at the same time as Call of Duty uh, will come out from the tri- from Treyarch in 2024. <laughs> And it'll be a mess. <laughs> They'll probably wait till then and go with the new Battlefield just the same week and it'll be a buggy mess. What I would love is if this can also signal to EA and 2K and making these sports franchises, if they, if they can learn that they don't need to have a new game every single year, that'd be fantastic. Seriously, just like roster updates. I mean, again, live yeah. service game, live service games can do this. Like every when there's an, a noticeable update in graphics and technology or like gaming, then like make a new game. But like real, real noticeable, not some like weird new system you put in that like makes the kicks connect 90 percent harder. Or something <laughs> right. weird. It's like, look at the leg hair on this person. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right. Let's move on and talk about something I, I consider non-news, Matt. I, this story pissed me off this week, quite frankly, because oh. like, I don't need this hype. I don't need this nonsense over here. And that is that a sequel to Fallout New Vegas is reportedly in very early talks at Microsoft. Very early talks. So look, listen, we're not going to hear about this. We're not going to hear about this forever. All right. So why, Jeff Grubb, our favorite leaky boy, are you telling audiences on the giant bomb show that Obsidian could be developing a sequel to New Vegas? Why? Why are you doing this to me? (laughs) At the very least, he says early talks are happening right now. I just this is going to be we're going to hear about this for like five years and people are going to keep speculating on it and speculating on it. And we're going to get every new post and all these clickbait articles about this. Maybe this means fallout new Vegas two could be happening. What could we see in fallout new Vegas two? And Josh is in the comment, getting really excited with his excited velociraptors, you know, in chat, getting really excited for fallout new Vegas two. And of course, of course it would be exciting. Of course we'd all sell our souls for this, but I just, I'm sorry. I'm on my soapbox, but I'm just, I'm pissed off. Stop telling us about this when it's like five years away. I, I, I won't be able to stop thinking about it. I just want to point out that Paul is somewhat of a Twitch newbie and he, referring to PogChamp as the Velociraptors is hilarious to me. Is that <laughs> PogChamp? What is, that, what is the PogChamp? Pog <laughs> Grandma, just go back to sleep. Uh, anyway, here's the thing. Based on what Grub said, it sounds like New Vegas 2. It sounds less like New Vegas 2 exactly is what I'll say. And more like a new Fallout spinoff just that's developed by Obsidian. I don't think... If if, if Obsidian's going to do a new Fallout game, I don't think the right direction is doing a Fallout New Vegas 2. I think the right direction is just doing a separate spinoff in a separate town using, I don't know, the Fallout 4 engine, Fallout 76 engine, whatever the hell they would but be Matt, using. But like classic Fallout, which is what Fallout New Vegas really channeled and why a lot of people love it more than they love the other Bethesda Fallout games... 
classic fallout takes place in California and in the Southwest and that whole area. So I, I think that like maybe a different, maybe it doesn't have to be Vegas, but I think ultimately like continuing that storyline and continuing the NCR and all the stuff that's going on down there, I think really would be sure. the spiritual successor. Like it needs to maybe. be something like that. Maybe not a two, but I think it would probably have to take place there to really rekindle the same love. Look, I, I, I never played New Vegas, so I don't, I don't really know what people want. Um, if they want a sequel that's a direct continuation of the story, I don't know that. I feel like we haven't really we haven't seen that in Fallout. I don't know if Fallout 2 was a direct continuation of Fallout 1 or not. I'm not sure it was, on you're, that. You're a descendant of the protagonist from Fallout okay. 1, and so it, that's like 100 years later. It, it, no, all of it takes place usually like there's like 100 years, 100 years or something. They, there's always some time between. It's rare. Technically, it's, they're it's, all yeah. sequels of each other. They're not they're all the same world, right? Yeah. Some of them take place at different times in the same world. Right. So like right. Different, different periods and different sides of the world or whatever. But yeah, all, all in all, they all take place in the same universe for sure. So then, yeah, I mean, you could, you could, you could have a new fallout game that still has the NCR. That's what it is, right? The something Nevada, something, the new California Republic, new California Republic. So you could still have that in the game. It just doesn't necessarily have to be, called new vegas 2 i think that would be a mistake i know that selling copies maybe that would be a good thing but i think i think it'd be better to just go a different direction and do something completely new while while maybe using story elements from the previous game i just think it'd be weird to see a new vegas 2 because we haven't seen like a direct sequel like that uh in fallout before so maybe they could do it though i, I don't know yeah, and we say like Josh was saying in chat, as I previously called it the comments, but it is important to uh, to mention as well that uh, yeah, having Josh Sawyer back to lead the team and write the story is super important. Uh, the the people that were you know people who were responsible for New Vegas were also people who were responsible for like original Fallout stuff, and that's part of why it was so faithful. Uh, and some of these a lot of these people are still at Obsidian, or, or or people are still in points. Josh Sawyer is, but also they're working on like other games, like potentially Outer Worlds two or avowed right like there's a lot of stuff being worked on by obsidian right now and so it's like i don't know like yeah they're doing a lot is the right talent going to be put there like it sounds like you know microsoft really put their faith in obsidian now and they are letting them really have free reign to make these amazing story games but uh, maybe that's why it's in early talks. Maybe that's because maybe once they finished one of these larger projects, uh, they're going to maybe move teams onto that. I hope so. Uh, I really hope that they don't uh, just kind of, you know, put a new team on this or something. I think that would be a slap in the face to Fallout fans for sure, especially for something like Outer Worlds 2. You know what would be really interesting, and this is somewhat on the same topic, is a Fallout game immersive sim done by Arcane. I think that would be... A really interesting experience. I don't know if like in universe of that work, if the sort of things that they would have to do to make it interesting would work in a fallout game. But I, the idea of that's kind of neat to me. I agree. I think the the fallout universe has a lot to say for it. And I think making the same type of like, I mean, well, originally the same types of games, which were those top down asymmetric RPGs, but then also now making, uh, you know, these classic jank fest Bethesda RPGs, you know, I, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that they, they, they tend to make the same game and not really like change the genre of the game with the same universe. I think let's open the fallout universe up, you know, fallout shelter was really cool. And even though it was like kind of a goofy phone game, it was cool. I think we could have more games like that that kind of extend the universe into different, uh, genres because i think there's a lot to be milked there that they're missing out on to be quite honest uh rad roaches is what i'm talking about specifically by the way when i'm talking about the milking all right let's uh let's move on talk about 
a game that I still don't quite understand, and that is Digimon <laughs> Survive. Uh, and it sounds like uh, the studio maybe doesn't understand it either because they have once again changed development teams and a release date is still yet to be determined. Uh, prior to this news reported by RPG site, we hadn't received an official update on the game in two years. Uh, I remember talking about it. There were rumors about it uh, in July, and I remember actually doing like a TikTok on it for groups and trying to, oh, trying yeah. to like, get my head around what it was. Um, that's the only reason I remember. Uh, the game has been delayed numerous times throughout the last three years, both officially and unofficially. A lot of rumors coming up for this game. And although not technically delayed, we were told that, quote, the timeline had to be adjusted, end quote, after a new team took over the game. Uh, the original developer had been Witchcraft, but now it appears to be Hyde. I've never heard of either of these developers. Uh, I don't think it super matters, I think. But ultimately, I still understand what Pokemon Survive is. I, I've just kind of gotten my head around what Cyber Sleuth is. And apparently it has something to do with like a variation on that theme, right? Is that, Matt, do you understand what's happening with Digimon Survive? I want a good Digimon game, if that's what it is. So I saw it described in the same article as seven parts text adventure and three parts tactics RPG. So it's it's sort of it, it's sort of like a class classic uh, JRPG almost. Like it almost feels like it's like a persona take on Digimon, which I guess you could say is what Cyber Sleuth is, but I think it's going to be more it's weird to say, but a more adult take on Digimon. Um, did I say Pokemon before? I meant Digimon. I, I, I don't Pokemon. know, but hopefully um, not. <laughs> but it, it, it's supposed to be a more mature take on, on the Digimon story and, and exploring, I guess, darker themes and, and seeing what they can do with that, with older characters. This is a game that I'm really looking forward to. I don't know if it's going to be any good. I'm certainly not very... I mean, I, I'm hyped for it, but I, I'm not, uh, I don't feel great about it after changing development teams and all these delays. I mean, this game was originally supposed to come out, I think, in like late 2019. So it's been a while. They've been at work on this for a long time. I'm sure development has been pretty much rebooted a couple times, it would seem, at this point. So, yeah, I think they're still trying to figure out what the game is. I think the issue, a, a large problem here, is that it's a really ambitious game, especially for a Digimon game. It has sort of this genre-bending stuff going on, which is what I was describing earlier with the seven parts text adventure and three parts tactics RPG. And I think the developers are just having a really hard time nailing that down. And it's disappointing, but what you going to do? I mean, hopefully it comes out at some point. Although, honestly, I won't be surprised if it just gets canceled at this point. I don't know how far along they are. I think we've been told that they're pretty far along, but if they keep rebooting it, I don't know. And uh, unlike uh, Skull and Bones, they don't owe it to the Singapore government to, to, for it to come out. So I wouldn't be shocked. I was going to make that exact same joke, but you got there quicker. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if at some point it's just canceled. It would be really disappointing. But I, I do really want to see a more grown-up version of Digimon at some point, And I hope this is it, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that would be really cool. I, I would be into that for sure. If it's a good game, I will check it out. So far, no Digimon games have really grabbed me. I did try playing a gacha game on uh, mobile, but uh, I think I think Matt, you did as well, didn't? I, at some point, I think we talked about it, but a while ago, yeah, it's pretty bad. Pretty the bad original, stuff. well, the original one that they had on phones was pretty good, and it ended like they stopped development of it, and it's not available anymore. And then they came out with a new version of it that wasn't very good, so classic classic oh, yeah. bamco right there and moving on to our final big story of the day that is that sony posted a first look preview for the headset design of psvr2 on the playstation blog this shows the headset and the controllers 
and boy, it looks pretty rad. The controllers yeah. and headset are designed to look similar to one another, and the overall look is intended to match the style of PS5. I think it does super well. I think all of it looks cohesive, clean, uh, round in the right way. Mm-hmm. Matt, this is something you're going to pick up probably like day one. So what do you think? This probably will be a day one purchase. The the more that we're seeing from it, I think the the VR two sense controllers. I can I, I talked all the time about the dual sense controllers. Well, now I can talk about the PSVR two sense controllers. They look fantastic. I'm so glad that we are getting actual VR controllers, and I don't have to have these weird move controllers with weird light colored light bulbs on the tops of them. Super weird, but they made it work. It worked fine. But these look fantastic. I'm really excited about this system, Paul, and I think it's going to have a, a bunch of really good games. They are very clearly very serious about VR, and that's exciting because I think they're going to back this up this time with a lot of really good software, which was sort of the problem with the first PSVR. I think they came out and they just expected companies to develop games for it, and they didn't. But I think that there's going to be a real effort to making that happen this time. Well, we've got producer Mike in the background saying he can start his crusade of telling you the index controllers are better. You know Ooh. what, Mike? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> How dare you rain on his parade? VR2 Sense controllers. It really makes you feel like virtual reality. I got to say, Sense controllers to me and virtual reality make total sense and I think are really cool. And obviously, I haven't used them. So we can have the, the two sides, Matt saying they're revolutionary and Mike saying that he doesn't think they're that big a deal. Um, but I got to say on VR, I think the idea of like the tension of the bowstrings and the and the feeling of, of grabbing things with tension, I think is super important and, and compulsory. Uh, and I don't know if anyone else has done that as well, but I am really excited to see. Uh, I think Sense, the dual sense stuff is going to work super well on VR. Let me just say this, Mike, all you've seen is a picture of these controllers and you're out here saying the index controllers are better. My friend, let's get our hands on these first before we can make this decision. All right. Oh, okay. He said he read the specs. So that's the the fight here. We're going to have to take this I fight to the streets. I don't care about We're going to have to take this fight to the streets. We'll come back next replay. We'll have to have Mike on at some point so we can, or maybe we'll do that. In the, then maybe that's an idea for the next Game Groups podcast. If anyone wants to check that out, we can talk about our favorite controllers or maybe talk about uh, how the dual sense is truly revolutionary over here. But... Matt, do you have anything else to say on the dual sense, or should we move on a little bit here? Matt wearing his PlayStation shirt and showing it off. <laughs> no, I have nothing else to say other than I'm really excited for this. I think there's going to be really good software for this, and I uh, can't wait. It will probably be a day one buy for me. That's awesome. Like we said before, I think this thing is going to be easily one of the best values uh, in VR, probably the best value in VR and the technology behind it for the price. If you have a PS5 already is nuts, yeah. even without having a PS5 already with chip shortages and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy to get a PS5, but you know, if you don't already have a desktop computer, that's going to be capable of great VR stuff. Uh, getting a PS5 and getting a PSVR 2 will put you at like the forefront of gaming and also of VR. So I think it's really cool for like a thousand dollars, which is pretty good. So Check it out. Uh, Sony, if you want to give us money for sponsorship, uh, we will drop uh, we'll drop Mike, uh, not from Grooves, but just like we won't let him say anything bad uh, about DualSense <laughs> anymore. We'll, we'll, <laughs> oh, Mike's, Mike's already ready to quit if, if Sony becomes a sponsor. <laughs> All right. We got some quickie stories here at the end of the show. First off, Special Nick is reporting on Twitter that a large PlayStation event is planned for March. He said, quote, this is supposed to be the good one. Another rumor states that classic games will be a major part of Project Spartacus, PlayStation's competitor to Game Pass. 
An additional rumor suggests that Hogwarts Legacy may show up at this event with a new trailer and release date. They better. Uh, that would be a good idea. Uh, new release, new trailer and release date makes me wonder. I mean, every, of course, there is no release date right now, so I guess it would be a new release date too. But <laughs> right. I'm wondering still if maybe we'll get like. I still feel like we're getting a 2023. I just I want it to be a 2023. I don't think it's ready, but that's just up to me, Matt. Um, what are you expecting from this? Are you still excited for, are you excited for project Spartacus? I, I got to say, I'm pretty excited, um, in the sense that I think they're going to initially, when we talked about this, I think we kind of said like, eh, I don't know if project Spartacus is going to really do anything game pass like, but with what we've seen with the acquisitions here, we've seen with the Activision Blizzard thing, I think Sony's retooling Spartacus maybe, or at least even if it comes out a little lighter, I think they're going to immediately be like, and later this year, it's going to do this, this, and this. Cause like, right. they're like, oh shit, we better make this bigger because you know, we're up against some, some big money here. I think the classic games approach is the right thing for them to do. They can't directly compete with game pass, but if you, Put in all the classic games, give us a way to play PS1, PS2, PS3 games on our PS5. That's fantastic. I think that's a really good way to sell it. There are a lot of beloved games, especially older JRPGs, that you just can't really access now and you can't really play in any way that I think a lot of people would really love. And so I think if they can do that, that would be fantastic. And that would that would sell Spartacus alone. But if they can also get third-party support and put some games on there, Maybe even if it's not day one, but if you can maybe get some big discounts if you have it, I don't know, uh, that would be good as well. As far as the Hogwarts Legacy stuff, I do think we're going to see it. I do think we're going to see it at this event. It's time. It's time that we see this game, that we see more of it. I don't think we're going to get a release date. I think we're going to get a very specific release window, like holiday 2022, fall 2022, something along those lines but I don't think we're getting a date just yet because I don't think they want to tie to tie themselves down in case they do have to delay it. I also think if the last of us remake is coming out this year, this is when we're going to see it. We're going to finally hear about it officially for the first time at this event. I don't know if there's going to be a big trailer, but there will be some sort of tease at least. I just don't see if it's coming in the fall. I don't see how they don't put it in this event. I guess they could do something in the summer, but I think we have to know about it now. I think they want people to know about it now. Um, and again, I don't know if something comes out around the time of the, the HBO show. That makes a lot of sense to me. So I think this event's going to be really exciting. I hope it's at a time where we can stream it. I don't know if that'll be the case, but if it's at like a, like a 6 p.m. Eastern or something, we might be able to stream it. That'd be a lot of fun. So keep your eyes peeled for that if that is the case. Of course, this event isn't even official yet. Uh, but I think we'll hear if it's a March event, I think we'll be hearing about it in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Sounds awesome to me. Lousy March events coming up. We're excited for that. And, uh, yeah, I gotta say, Matt, do you think we might even see like an early tease for maybe the last of us multiplayer experience game thing we've been hearing about? Maybe we'll get something like that, like super early along with the last of us remake stuff, just to kind of get you all last of us upped. My gut says no. My, my gut says that that's going to be one of those things where we hear about it and it's coming out like a month later. So whether that's much later shadow this drop. year or sometime next year. Yeah, not quite a shadow drop, but something close to it. I do feel like I don't think that's a, the kind of thing that they need to show way ahead of time. So I just feel like that it's going to be one of those cases where it's like, oh, yeah, and it's coming out in a month or in two months. And so they can ramp up some marketing for it. But I don't think they really need to do a whole lot for that one. Totally. I agree with you on that. 
Moving on, EA's CEO called the FIFA brand, quote, four letters on a box and said that they have been impeded by them. Now, this is coming up hot on the trail of FIFA asking for $250 million for Electronic Arts to use their license for World Cup branding only. The cost of the license alone is far greater than entire development costs for the large majority of major AAA games. The FIFA branding also keeps EA from being able to use Nike branding, which fans have been asking for because of FIFA's relationship with Adidas. Also important to notice this EA branding, all this stuff has nothing to do with their ability to, you know, show the teams, show the rosters, show the venues. This is literally the name FIFA, the name World Cup. This is crazy. Uh, They are, they played, they've overplayed their hand. Uh, I think they could have gotten some money. They asked for too much. This story broke, I think, a month or two ago. We talked about this earlier uh, in the year. And, you know, this already came out. They probably were already in negotiations. And they just kept it up until the CEO fully came out publicly (laughs) and called them out for how worthless it is. So... Sucks to suck. Uh, sorry, FIFA. I don't really feel bad for you. You're a super corrupt organization. So whoops. Yeah, the good thing for EA is there is no real competitor in this space. And no one, if the if EA is not going to use the FIFA branding, then no one else is going to be using the FIFA branding. So there's really... Who can afford $250 million for the FIFA branding? Like, get, right. get out of here. So there's no sense in them paying for that. Again, it's, you're just getting the World Cup branding. You're getting... the you are getting like the CEO says four letters on a box. All these, all the stadiums, all the teams, all the player likenesses, those are all individual separate deals. So yeah, I, I mean, call it something else, rebrand the game, it, it, call the world cup uh, something else in the game. And it is what it is. I mean, I don't think anyone's really going to care that much. So yeah, I, I would not pay $250 million for the FIFA branding. It is not worth it. No way. That is, that's, God, that's so wild. Just thinking about that and the cost of that is, is insane, especially when you could, again, deliver entire games for something like that. And yeah, I can't think of a single other company that would even be remotely interested in that kind of cost is insane. Like unless Microsoft decided they really wanted to make their own soccer game, maybe now's the time. (laughs) Now's the time to start paying the EA branding. Even then, I don't, I don't think Microsoft would jump into soccer games for the first time and be willing to put down $250 million for licensing and saying, well, let's try a soccer game. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. I don't even think they would think it's worth it. They also wouldn't have to make, they would have, they wouldn't have those player likenesses or the state. That would also be separate deals. Insanity. Also. Yeah. They should just call it Matt. What do you think would be a good, just really quick before we move on. I'm thinking FOFA might be a funny name FOFA or FIFA with an E FIFA. I think they'll just call it, professional EA professional footballer in the North America professional soccer. I mean, I I just, I don't think it's going to have any sort of branding. I mean, or they'll do what they did with Madden where they take someone's name and do a deal with them. Like maybe like, I don't know, Ronaldo soccer, 2022 or something like that. Well, it's like the Rory McIlroy golf games or whatever. That was those ones as well. Like you just, yeah. Yeah, they used to have the Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods ones too, yeah. So So it's the same thing. They can do something like that and that would probably be a a good call as well. Good stuff. I like it. All right, moving on. Bethesda is retiring their proprietary launcher and moving everything over to Steam. 
and people around the world rejoice are standing up in their chairs giving a standing <laughs> ovation. The Bethesda launcher sucks. Beginning in April, you'll be able to migrate your games and wallet to your Steam account. Cool. Awesome. Great. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Doesn't really affect us. I mean, we're not like super big Bethesda game people. Um, I've never, uh, maybe once or twice I used a Bethesda launcher in my day, but um, mostly I've played them on like Xbox or now I play them on like Game Pass or something. I don't really use the Bethesda launcher, so not super relevant to me, but I know there are a lot of people who are really excited for this. Yeah, I've never used the, used the Bethesda launcher. I have Skyrim on Steam. I don't think it ever yep. launched in the Bethesda launcher. Maybe I'm it wrong. It does not. It does not. Okay. The one thing they did say in their FAQ, ESO, this would this is not going to allow you to connect your ESO account to Steam. I wish that was the case, but that's not a part of this. You still you can connect the accounts, but you have to own the game on steam as well. So you have to own a separate copy of it and then connect the account. So that's kind of annoying, but sometimes so weird. I may do that at some point just because you can get ESO on steam deals for like five bucks these days. So I may just do that just so I have it on steam. I have, I have it separately through Bethesda. So it's like a, its own launcher. I wish you could do that. You can't, but someday, someday, our dream will come true. And finally, Matt, speaking of dreams coming true, the Steam Deck has launched and everyone loves it. It's unanimously great uh, and everyone's excited and happy. Uh, meanwhile, Games Radar is out here reporting that Steam Deck 2 is already in development. If this were, uh, I don't know, uh, if I was typing right now, I'd put the, like, the, the emoji with the eyes going like, mm, mm. <laughs> uh, ridiculous. Steam, uh, Games Radar, even if they are doing that, shut up. We don't need to talk about it right now. With the Steam Deck launch, Valve also announced Aperture Desk Job, a short free tech demo set in the Portal universe specifically for Steam Deck, which will be available March 1st, which is uh, pretty hilarious. Uh, I love the name Aperture Desk Job. I think we should get yeah. another version of the the classic song, um, but more about Aperture Desk Job. Uh, and I, I like this idea that, you know, when they, when Valve enters a new space, they, they kind of do like a, a first a first party game like that, like with the, with Half-Life Alex, And now we're getting this like tech demo for Aperture Desk Job for, for Steam Deck. I think it's fun. I hope they do keep doing more stuff like that. And I hope it's a cool experience. I wonder if they'll it'll probably make use of like the touch pads, I feel like on the sides and like stuff mm. that stuff yeah. that like to really show off the technology of Steam Deck maybe. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping that's cool. I am not going to get a Steam Deck right now, not because I don't want to, but because I didn't pre-order nearly early enough like a fool. So I'm just kind of sitting here waiting on it. But yeah, I mean, everything I've seen has been unanimously glowing and the, my hype is at an all-time high. <laughs> yeah, I love on Twitter people are discovering with their Steam decks all the games that they can play on it. Elden Ring is one of them. We talked about this before. I I, I don't I didn't I haven't looked into how it runs on Steam Deck, but I know and I don't know if it's active yet, but it at least will be available to play on the Steam Deck. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know. The Steam Deck is really intriguing, Paul. Do you, so you have a reservation. I didn't get one. I made, I waited. Well, you know what happened is I, I knew about it before the reservations even went live. We were doing the show. We were up on gaming news and then I just kind of like didn't do it. And then I waited too long. I did that thing where like, oh, I waited too long. I probably shouldn't do it. Now it's like forever away. So I don't know. Okay. I'm just kind of, I'm just ho- kind of holding out at this point until they just go for, for sale of like normal, I guess. Yeah, this is a really cool technology. And although I don't like you, I don't want to hear about the Steam Deck 2 yet, but it is good that 
we're hearing that they already see it as a success and that it, that's enough because Valve has done this with things in the past where they'll do something and then drop it similar to Google in that way, actually. And so it's nice to see that they are going full steam ahead, uh, full steam ahead on Steam Deck 2. So that's good news. I like that this is just going to be a part of gaming going forward. I I love that. I'm really psyched. I'm excited to see more people enter the mobile, not mobile, but like the handheld market uh, and give Nintendo a run for their money. And maybe we'll we'll see some cool competition, some cool stuff out here. So excited for that. I'm always into portable gaming, uh, you know, getting a push, especially when we're looking at it. It just sucked because so much of it was Nintendo and they have their very, very specific ways they do business. So it's cool to see like PC gaming kind of have that effect now, which is awesome. But Matt we got to move on to the end of the show, but before we do, I want to ask you, we had our fantastic show Game Grooves this week, which is our all-encompassing gaming podcast that we host with the whole panel of the Grooves, although I was not there this week, but Matt, yeah. what did we talk about this week on Game Grooves? I would like to know too. Yeah, we missed you, Paul. It was a really good episode though. We we discussed the current state of MMOs, whether or not we're currently experiencing a renaissance of the genre. We've talked a lot about MMOs the last two weeks on game groups just because that's really what all of us have been playing a lot i will say if you're interested in mmos keep your eyes out something very soon is on the horizon for goodnight groups so keep your eyes out for that uh, but we also talked about weird spin-off games like franchises that just have weird out of place spin-offs played some mini games one this was suggested to us by patreon derek versus the world and then i think we did we did groovestradamus this week for uh, the next set of games, which are, it was like eight games all releasing in March. So that was kind of wild. And then we looked at our past games. You actually, you got a few of them. So you'll have to listen and see which ones you got. But uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a really good episode. Perfect. Love to hear it. Now, if you want to listen to Game Grooves, you can check that out right now because it is out. It came out on Sunday, so you can actually go back and listen to that now. But I will remind you that if you want to listen to Game Grooves a little bit earlier, the day after we record it, then you can check out patreon.com slash goodnightgroups, where actually the $3 plus tier will get you early access to the show. We have a lot of content over at goodnightgroups.com, like this podcast, Game Grooves podcast, Southern Fried Grooves, which is the YouTube Let's Play channel uh, produced by Mike and of course Josh and Fave starring in that one. So there's a lot of great stuff out there that the Grooves do. And if you check out our Patreon and you love what we do, then feel free to, you know, drop us a couple bucks. We really appreciate it and also if you're enjoying this podcast specifically then please consider dropping us a five-star review on apple Podcasts and spotify any and all support is greatly appreciated and will go a long way in approving all of what we do at goodnight grooves and of course special shout out to mike mvp groove out here for putting this show together and producing uh, our live show on twitch we love you mike and you are appreciated matt do you have anything else to say before we head out of here on this beautiful Sunday slash Monday slash whatever we're calling this. Yeah, I just hope that Digimon Survive can survive this uh, tumultuous development cycle. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, and also a special shout out to Cream the Rabbit and Cheese no, for Chow no, from Sonic. No, no. <laughs> We're not doing that on the show. That is going to be it for today. Uh, But tune in next week for more. And don't forget to check out everything at goodnightgroofs.com. Until next week, goodnight, Groofs.